elementary school then. How old were you guys in 2010? I was 12. 12? <laughs> so I was your babysitter, probably, at that point. That makes me feel really old. But um, yeah, so I went on the race in 2010. Um, our training camp was here. And uh, at that point, um, the lodge was not here. Um, this was basically the only building Adventures had. And this whole room was just a cement block. So it was freezing. It was 20 degrees during our training camp. And this room was an ice box. So we really learned how to pray without ceasing and really try to ask the fire of God to come and fill us because we were so freezing. But um, I love coming here because when, um, when I was here at training camp, it was actually the first time I really heard from God for myself. And actually, every time I come up, I, I get all emotional because the first time I ever heard God's voice, um, not from another person and not just from scripture, but heard God speak to me, was right here, right where your backpack is. <laughs> so, so I love coming back here and sewing into this place because I really believe in what they're doing here. Um, so I want to talk to you guys about a lifestyle of following Jesus. So you guys came back from this great experience, this great trip. I know the feelings that you're going through, and I just want to tell you that um, this really is just the beginning. So if you feel like this is the end of the exciting part of your story, don't believe that lie. This is really, honestly, is just the beginning of what God has in store for you. So I always tell people that your world raised your gap year. Honestly, it's just your training camp. So God was just kind of showing you a little tiny, tiny glimpse of his kingdom. So I know people in my world race where they think that that was the whole thing. And I got to tell you, I've seen way more people saved, way more people discipled, way more demons cast out after the race. And I saw a lot of stuff in my race. So... A lot more is going to happen to you. So don't think that the journey is over. It really is just beginning. And so if you guys have like a journal or a phone or a piece of paper or something, just take that out for a second because we're going to do a little activity. All right. So I want you guys to close your eyes for a moment. And uh, I just want you to ask yourself, you're not really asking God, just thinking for yourself, does it feel like your Christianity is missing something? Did you feel in any way that it would be different, that you would be different, that you would be acting different post-gap year, that you would process things differently? Do you feel like your Christianity is missing something? I want you to write down whatever you hear, feel, see.
give you guys about another minute to just get those ideas down. And you can continue this process throughout the rest of the week, but just start getting some ideas down. Can someone stand up and read John 1, 43 to me? John 1, 43. Just whoever can jump up first and read it. memorize that in about 30 seconds. Um, but Jesus said, he said, follow me. So Jesus doesn't say, just believe in me, just associate yourself as a Christian, don't just follow a set of rules or regulations. He says, follow me. This is his first instructions to the early disciples, right? It's really clear, it's pretty short. He says, follow me. So the question is, is how many of us are actually identifying with Christ and how many of us are actually living a life of being a follower of Christ? And I hate to break it to you, but those are two very, very different things. I'm sure many of you have experienced that difference um, in America versus maybe on your gap year. But there's a huge, huge pendulum swing between calling yourself a Christian and being a follower of Jesus. So let's try to figure out what that actually means. Like, how do you actually follow Jesus? Because I imagine most of you, maybe 50% of you, actually want to follow Jesus. Um, so let's see what that actually means. So in Mark 8.34, um, I like to read this usually from the Amplified, because it really breaks down, I think, really clear instructions on how we can become followers of Jesus and not just identifiers. So it says in Mark 8, 34, it says, Jesus called the crowd together with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to follow me, so that's some of us here, as my disciple, okay, one, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests. So that is the first thing to following, is denying yourself. Not the most popular message for our generation, but that's what he says. He must deny himself, set aside selfish interests. Number two, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. Taking up your cross. And follow me. Believing in me. Conforming to my example in living. And, if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. So how many of us in this room have come to peace in our hearts of the possibility of dying because of what you believe? And this is not like, you don't have to answer this question right now, 
But I know for myself, I had to really wrestle with that for about three years. Like, am I actually willing to die for what I believe? Because we here in foreign countries, like especially now with everything that's going on with ISIS, like people are actually getting beheaded and actually right now dying for their faith in other countries. And we complain because like our church is a little boring or like our family doesn't really understand the experience we went through or the laundry list of things that we complain about all the time. And uh, I, I myself am like, okay, if I've chosen to be a follower of Jesus, I am choosing to let go of selfish, selfish interest. I'm choosing to maybe endure suffering. And I'm choosing to possibly die for my faith. Now, can I tell you, as soon as you can get to a place with the Holy Spirit, where you can find peace at the thought of dying for what you believe, it will be so easy for you to be in a job you don't find peace. Right. Honestly, I, about two years ago, God started asking me, like, like are, what are you willing to do for me? And I was like, and I had to get to this place where I actually asked the Holy Spirit to show me different situations that could possibly happen. And at that point, I was pregnant with David. And God was like, can you feel peace if I ask you to give up your apartment in Manhattan where we were living, give up your job, and live in a car with your newborn baby? Could you find peace? It took me three months to be able to envision that situation and find peace. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit... He's a really good counselor. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into transformation. But you have to invite God into that process. If you're trying to become a follower of Jesus all on your own, you're going to suck at it. You really are. It is with Christ that we are transformed. And so it's by his blood, it's by surrendering to him and not just taking on more of like, well, I just need to die to myself. You're, you're really bad at dying to yourself. You really need God's help to do it. So ask yourself, what are those things where you feel like, I don't know if I would do that if God asked me to do that. Could you be beheaded for your faith? If not, then your life is an idol. And I know that sounds kind of weird and creepy, but just to give you some clarity, an idol is anything that forces you to say no to God. Anything that you would put before God. And one of the basic commandments is to have no other gods before our God. So are you making yourself a God? So these are really good questions to wrestle with. Because if your Christianity is not working, it might be because you've made your own form of it. And it's not actually the following that, that Jesus outlines for us in Scripture. So, in John 6, 67 through 69, it says, So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? So Jesus just preached one of his really awesome messages that gets all the crowds to go away. <laughs> 
So he is not interested in crowd approval. He's not interested in becoming a politician. He's just here to bring life and truth. And a lot of times the crowds leave. So he preaches this message and everyone goes. And he says this to Peter, he says, do you want to go away as well? He's giving him his out for complaining. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Are we following a maid of Jesus or a Jesus that has the words of eternal life? I know for myself after the race, like I barely was reading my Bible and I was expecting for my life to change and for things in my life to work out well and I wasn't reading the word of eternal life. And I know for you, some of you, it might feel like boring to read your Bible every day but that means you're just reading it wrong. And I'm honestly saying this from like a personal experience. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is a teacher? Did you guys know that? So you don't need to get all the revelation from like Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, Todd White, Tim Keller, whoever it is that you guys listen to on podcasts. Do you know when I found out that the Holy Spirit was a teacher and that I could ask him to teach me, the Bible became so much more interesting. I started to read and I would say, Holy Spirit, show me something that has never been seen before. Speak to me, because you actually know exactly what I need to enter into life. So show me. And all of a sudden, I would read Timothy and be weeping, because Paul wasn't writing a letter to Timothy, he was writing it to Jesse Green in New York City. And all of a sudden, the word was so like real for me that it became addictive to me because I was like, oh my gosh, like these words are actually like for me. And so it's easier to transform your life and easier to change your life if you know the word of eternal life. But a lot of us just push it aside. But we want we want the miracles. Like how many of you guys want to see like crazy miracles? Like, not just maybe, like, an ankle healed, but, like, a sea parted in two. Am I the only one that wants to see that? All the time I pray, I'm like, God, I want to wake up and walk down the beach, and I want to see, like, fire come down, and, like, crazy stuff happen, and that people are like, God must be real, because, like, these crazy things are happening. You know, like, that stuff is cool. But that stuff doesn't change your heart. And it doesn't give you the character to actually live this life out. What gives you the character to live this life out is to know the word and let it transform you completely. So Parker and I prayed for a really long time because we, we moved to California this past November from New York. And we were pastors in New York. We, had, we were running two... Um, churches, two campuses in New York City, growing, flourishing, tons of people getting saved, preaching that stuff, like it was awesome, right? And we felt like God was calling us to California and calling us to give up everything. I did not know one person in California. And uh, we were just having our baby and 
God was telling us to go. And I'm going to talk about this tomorrow night, but last year was the most difficult year of my life. Way harder than after the world breaks. Because I had a baby now that I was responsible for. So when you feel like the pressure of taking care of another life besides just your own, like the weight of needing to make an income is even more. <laughs> and uh, I just kept feeling like God was telling us to go. And so in that journey, we, we, we knew we were supposed to plant churches in California and all across the world. And so we were like, okay, well, what are our foundations? What are the things that haven't just been taught to us in different contexts, but what do we actually believe that we want to build our lives on? And these are the four things that we really have used as the foundation for us to stand on everything. So the first one is, is that Jesus is alive. Now, I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. He's, he's actually alive and he's dwelling among us and he cares about what's happening. He, he hears the conversations that you're having. Do you know that the word of God says that you will be accountable for every useless word you say? I'm a verbal processor, so that scripture scares me to death. Because there are sometimes when I'm processing how much I can't stand someone, which is also called gossip. And do you know that if I don't repent and ask for forgiveness, that I have to stand before God and I'm accountable for those words? Do you know that repentance and asking God for forgiveness on a daily basis is God's biggest gift to you. I don't know if you guys practice this yet, and we'll talk about it a little bit later today, but learning how to repent is the best thing you can do in this next year. So Jesus is alive. Matthew 28, 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you live your life like Jesus is with you always? Yes? No? Be honest with yourself. I don't. I really don't. And I'm up here talking in front of you. And there are some days where I have to wake up in the morning and remind myself, oh my gosh. Jesus says that he's with me always. That's kind of scary. Because that means that there's nothing hidden. And that also means that when I feel like the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go pray for someone, and I feel fear, that I'm not realizing who's actually with me. Do you know when Jesus says to his disciples, he says, do not fear. Like you, and he challenges their faith because they have fear. Do you know that when God asks you to do something and you're afraid, it's a really good indicator that you don't know that God's with you? 
If God tells you, pray for that person's leg, and you feel a hesitation, thank God for that hesitation. Know why? Huge red flag that you don't realize who's with you. Every time I don't obey God, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, Holy Spirit, show me who's with me. Because I was afraid of rejection from that person because I didn't realize who was with me. And the word of God is much higher than how we feel about things. So I may not feel like Jesus is always with me, but he says that he is. So that is more true than how I feel. Does that make sense? So a lot of us are trying to do this on our own and we really need to just look next to us and say, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. Show me how to do this with you. My favorite verse in all of scripture is from Matthew. And it's from the message translation. And honestly, I, I've been, every place that I'm preaching, it, it comes up over and over again. And I've been saying it to myself, but it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me, walk with me, and I will show you how to take a real rest. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. <laughs> now, a lot of us are trying to make this thing happen. I'm guilty of it myself. We are trying to make this thing happen. We want to change the world. You're not going to change the world. You're not. Let me just take that burden off of you. You're not going to change the world. But guess what? You can change your whole world and all of the people that God brings into your world and all of the people that are in those people's world and all the people that are in those people's world by not being worn out, not being burned out on religion, but walking freely and lightly. Do people look at your life and think, I want the life that she has. She came back from gap year, and I want the Jesus that she has. Or, are they thinking, I don't want anything that that person has. I, they're unrelatable. It seems like they're really self-consumed. When I came back from my race, guess what was my biggest focus? Myself. Where was I going to work? Oh my gosh, my friends don't understand my experience. And yet the Holy Spirit was drawing me to be a light, to be salt, to be a witness. And I was so consumed with what was happening in the world that I lost all my influence with those that God had put around me because they didn't understand me. I'm telling you guys, there are people in your lives that are broken and messed up and are 10 steps behind you in this journey of following Jesus. And they're saying, please show me that this is true. I'm begging. You, you went on this gap year, I didn't get to go. Show me that you actually encountered a God worth following. Because if you just went on this year and became a Pharisee and are judging every single person, 
because they don't understand? How could they? How could they? Thank you, Jesus, that you got to witness and experience transformation. Do not let that build pride within your heart when God wants you to transform cities. I know I came home with so much pride. With so much pride. And I wasn't able to be an influence because I was full of pride. When I need to have compassion and mercy and show them a resurrected God and not just a God of history, but a God that could give them a word of knowledge. How many of you guys like when someone gives you a prophetic word? Like, I don't know one person that doesn't. Like, I know when like, a big prophet comes to a conference that I'm going to, I sit there and I'm like, please have a word for me, please have a word for me. It's going to be so awesome if you just give me a word. Do you know that God wants to give that to you guys, to give to other people? How often are you guys sitting in a conference thinking, God, give me a word to give to someone else? That's how you know that you've become a follower, because you're with the man that can give you a word at any moment. I gotta say, honestly now, I really don't care when I get a word, because usually it just confirms the 700 times God has already told me that thing. So when they say, I'm like, oh, I know, I know. And they're like, no, you don't know. I'm like, no, I really do know. Like, I have it in my journal like 700 times. <laughs> but it's because I'm in constant communion with the one that is with me. Number two is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the second foundation that we're building our whole church on. And I feel led to tell any of you guys, if any of you guys don't know what to do, but you know, not you think, you know that you want to be a follower of Jesus and you want to learn how, you guys can come to California and Parker and I will disciple you in Orange County, Huntington Beach. And guess what? You're going to have to get a job and find an apartment and reach the lost and make disciples, but your life will be transformed. But do not come if you are not sure. Because we will send you back on a plane, so we don't care where. And I know that seems harsh, but there's too many people that don't even have a clue about Jesus for us to focus on you not sure if you want to follow. So, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, Jesus came, and he ushered a Something that I think is really profound that we often miss. And I think that we can miss it easily because we just get caught up in this world. But he says, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you read through the Gospels, what you see is Jesus is displaying what this kingdom looks like. It's what every single one of you guys have access to on a daily basis. And he's saying, he's saying the reason why you need to repent, can someone raise their hand and tell me what repentance is? To turn from. To turn from. That's, you're actually like, I'm, that makes me really happy that you know that. Because I've been to so many searchlights, and people don't know what that is. And that, like, is heartbreaking to me. But yes, it's a turn. It means that you're walking one way, and you stop, and you go the other way. And it, it doesn't mean that you're going backwards. You're actually moving forwards as you can like, 
continue to turn, continue to turn, continue to turn. And he says, the reason why you need to turn is because the kingdom is at hand. We're being offered something different. So I was in worship last night and just kind of walking around the room and praying. And uh, what I heard God say over and over again that he wanted to share with you guys was this. And I was like, and it was actually, it was a word for me too, because I was like, okay, God. He said, you've been walking and you've been on this journey. And you've passed the field that has the treasure. And you know there is a treasure in that field. You believe that. But you maybe have not experienced it yet. So it's really hard for you to purchase the field because you, you know, you know that the treasure is there. You believe it, but you haven't quite experienced it fully yet. And so it says, Jesus says, he says that the man knew what was in there. So it's, it's easy. The exchange is easy because you know what you're getting in exchange of giving up everything. But a lot of you guys are having a hard time giving up everything because you don't know what you're getting in exchange. And so throughout today, I want you to ask God, what is he offering you? What is he saying to turn away from to get in exchange? Because he's not saying repent and just figure it out. He's saying repent, turn away from the ways of this world because I'm giving you a kingdom. And if you have not experienced that kingdom yet, do you know it's okay to tell God you want to experience it? That's okay. I literally had a huge meltdown like four months ago and uh, I put it on Facebook Live for all the world to see, which is really great. <laughs> Because I just, I, I'm one of those people that values authenticity and transparency. And I, I said to Parker, I go, you know what? I go, I'm not doing this anymore unless it's real all the time. I said, I'm so, we have so many people discipling us and mentoring us. Um, one of the people that started the Vineyard Church and was part of the Jesus People Movement and led hundreds of thousands of people to Christ is one of our mentors. And I said, I said, I'm tired of hearing old stories. Like, I live in Orange County, and I want to see people having crazy encounters with God on a daily basis. And I was so righteously angry, if that makes sense. And I was like, God, I gave up everything to be here in California, to be a follower of you. And like, there are times when I pray for people, and they're not healed. Like, what, what is up with that? Like that's, I don't know if any of you guys have done that and prayed that they're not healed. It's like the worst feeling. Because you're like, great, is this person like not going to believe in Jesus? And like, you're, you kind of like build doubt in your head and like you go through this like whole wrestle. And uh, over the last few months, God has just been saying to me, he says, fully yield. Fully yield. Are there still parts of you that are left in this equation? Is it money? Is it gossip? I spent three days last week by myself repenting, crying and repenting and asking the Holy Spirit, search my heart, oh God. 
Reveal to me the hidden things that are deep within me. Do you know that if you are deceived, you do not know you are deceived? Honestly, do you know that? It's really crazy. But the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So, why are we surprised when we're stolen from? <laughs> when dreams and passions and words that God's given us feel like they're dying and being killed. And things that we're investing into and God has told us is going to happen and it seems like it's being destroyed. And we're, su we're surprised. I'm surprised every time. I'm like, how is this happening to me? I don't understand. And then Jesus says, I came to give them what? Life. I came to give them life. And life more abundantly. Or life to the full. Do you know that joy is not supposed to ever be robbed from you? Do you want to know how it's not robbed from you? You're fully yielded. Your job, your friends, your family, your circumstances cannot take away your joy if you are fully yielded. Do you know it doesn't matter when you pray for 8,000 people and they're not healed? Because it doesn't matter. You're fully yielded. Your whole life is about being submitted to the will of the Father. And it's not about the outcomes that you see. God said to me the other day with one of the people in our church, he said, Jesse, you are not in charge of the outcomes of their life. And I was like, but I'm leading them, I'm discipling them, like they have all this potential. And he said, you are in charge of creating opportunities. And that was hugely profound for me. And that is the same case for your own life and for my own life. I'm not in charge of every single outcome. I'm in charge of creating opportunities for the kingdom of heaven to invade this earth. And that is your job. You want to know your calling and your purpose? Your calling and purpose is to bring down heaven and show it to other people and not worry about the outcome. You are just a revealer of the truth. Number three, he has a plan and purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. Who knows this verse? If it has not been on your Pinterest or a magnet at some point in your life, I don't know where you've been living, but every Christian home I know like has this somewhere in like the bathroom or a candle or something. But I sometimes hate that because I feel like it sometimes waters down like an insanely profound truth. And I know for me, this verse, I was like, oh, I know this verse, like, blah, 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 who cares? And literally, I like, kind of had to be rebuked because I had to wrestle with this and ask God like a million times, like, why have you forgotten about me? And then I had to realize that that candle verse was the verse that I needed. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I just want you to picture, actually, for a moment, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the person that created the stars in heaven, declaring. So that's not just saying, like, I know the plans I have for you. 
Does anyone like know what a declaration like looks like? Has anyone ever seen? It's like, I do this declaration all the time with David because his name is David Leonidas, and that means beloved lion, and we always call him King David. And I always go like, boop, 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 boop. and I'm like, King David! And he like gets all amped and, <laughs> right? King David! And I'm declaring that like, he's there! And the thing is, is Jesus says, like this says in the scripture, the Lord is declaring, I know the plans I have for you! Da, 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 da. And we're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> and he's like, da, 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 da. like, I've declared it. <laughs> so what, what is he declaring? Well, their plans to prosper you. Guys, their plans to prosper you. Do you know that God is declaring that he has plans to prosper you? Jesus, oh my gosh, I need that word right now. Oh my gosh, you want to prosper me. Not to harm you. That means that if God is asking you to do anything, it is in your benefit. Because he has declared already his plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. So if you are giving up something, it is an exchange of something far better. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then we usually end there, but this is like, this is the golden ticket of that verse that we often just like push away. He says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. This is a promise from God that is huge. That, like, I think sometimes we just forget like, how profound these things are. Like, the creator of the entire world is saying, like, he wants to listen to you. And how many times, and I, like, I'm with you on this, but let's be really honest, and I do want you to raise your hand. How many of you guys sometimes feel like you don't have enough time to really pray? Just like things get in the way, you get a little bit busy, and some of you guys are like, I'm one of those people that I pray all the time, continually, like in constant communion. That's great, but there are actually also times that you need to get away into the secret place and get on your hands and knees and bow before the king. And that is different than talking to God in your car. And I know personally, I'm like, oh, my baby wakes up at 5 a.m., I'm working a full-time job, I'm planting a tree, well, I don't have time, I don't have time. And he's saying, make the time, because I will listen to you. Well, we want God to work out our situations and circumstances, but we don't really. Because guess what? You do what you believe. You don't do what you think you believe. You do what you actually believe. And if you actually, really, truly believe that the King of Kings is listening to you, you'll make the time. 
that sometimes I have to remind myself of the God that I serve simply because I see that I'm not making the time. And I go, and there's no condemnation in that, but conviction is a very good thing. Because conviction gives you the power to change. So all of a sudden I realize I have become way too busy. And you know what that shows me? I've forgotten. I've forgotten the declaration that's in Jeremiah 29. And I'm trying to work this out myself. And then in verse 13 it says, You will seek me and find me. When? Wait, when? You guys that sort of believe that? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I don't even know that. <laughs> when will you find God? Seek Him completely. So we're wondering why sometimes our Christianity is not working. But have we allowed ourselves to be tricked? To be tricked that this is all more important. I know, honestly, and I really encourage you guys to do this. After this searchlight, plan a time in the next month to take two or three days by yourself. And ask God, honestly, and I, I just did this last week. I said to my husband, I said, I need to get away. Because I feel like I don't have that face-to-face -face encounter that I normally have. Jesus and I are normally like this. And I feel like there's something in the way. And it's hard for me to seek him with my whole heart. And I don't, I don't want that. So I need to get away. And all the time in scripture, you see... Jesus, he's like, I need to get away. <laughs> so if it worked for Jesus, it might work for you. I don't know. Try it. But I tried it, and it was the first time I ever did it was last week. And I got to tell you, it was the hardest week and the most profound week. And I'm like an extreme extrovert, so I always want to be around people. I felt so awkward eating lunch and dinner by myself, which actually revealed to me more issues of my heart. I wrote in my journal, I said, I actually believe in insecurity that people are judging me as I'm sitting by myself thinking that I'm a loser. And I feel insecure because of what I think they're thinking about me. Thank you, Jesus, for this time alone because I still care what people think about me. And I would have not known that unless I put myself in a situation to be uncomfortable. And so I want you to do this, get to this place where you can be alone with God and wrestle with that stuff. I realized that I had been gossiping about people and it was, it was so sneaky how it happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't, like, I'm a gossiper. And like, I'm not going to get into it right now because it's a message for another day, but like the word is really harsh about what God does to gossipers. And I was like, I don't want God to do that to me. So I started repenting and I asked God, I said, God, why am I gossiping? Do you know it's okay to ask God why you're participating in certain sins? Because if you've been born again, you really are free from that life. 
So if you are sinning, there's something wrong with the equation. And it's okay to ask God, why am I sinning? And he revealed to me that when I was in high school, that people that were talking bad about me, I never gossiped before that he showed me. And what happened was people were talking bad about me in high school. So after that, I realized if I talked bad about other people, that I was on the other side of the equation and it would protect my heart. And I said, oh, God, please forgive me. And I literally cried for three hours, asking God to forgive me of every person that I had gossiped about. And I said, Jesus, I know that my words have power because I've been made in your image. So any curse that I've spoken over these people, I just cancel them right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare blessing over them. I declare blessing over them. God, I ask that you free them from any bondage that they may have. And I am sorry that I partnered with Satan. Because when I gossiped, that is what I did. And do you know what? I literally, I can't explain it other than a spiritual thing. I felt like I could like breathe differently. And it was the most freeing thing in the world. And then the fourth foundation is that God desires all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 7 in the message. This is like probably one of the most challenging scriptures because it really gives us like a big responsibility. But he says, he wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, everyone to get to know the truth we've learned. That there's one God and only one and one priest mediator between God and us, Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. Eventually, the news is going to get out. This, and this only, has been my appointed work. Getting this news to those who have never heard of God and explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. Do you know that you do not have to be a great theologian, you don't have to go to Bible college, you don't need more training to tell people this basic truth? I don't know what some of you guys are planning to do after this is all done, but I do want to encourage you, ask God how you're supposed to share this simple truth with everyone. Because I believe for a long time, like, I need more training, I need to, like, know scripture better, blah, 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 all these reasons. And the thing is, is you, you don't. I'm going to teach you guys really quickly how to share the gospel in two minutes. Okay? And uh, can someone stand up really quick, a confident person, and just tell me really quickly, like, in five sentences. So not you're not explaining the gospel fully, but just, like, what is the gospel? Like, when it says, like, we're supposed to be preachers of the gospel, like, big, big job that we have, do we know what the gospel is? So someone just pop up and tell me in a safe environment full of Christians 
what the gospel is. Um, You're my man today. <laughs> so God gave us his law. We okay. yeah. So do you want me to talk to you or to them? Talk to them. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys. Okay. So five seconds. Five sentences. <laughs> five sentences. Five sentences. <laughs> okay. You can make it five. Okay. He does run on sentences. Okay. God gave us his law. We broke his law. Because we broke his law. It's not three sentences. That's... Ignore them. I will, I will. Preach okay. to this side of the road. <laughs> okay, okay. So God gave us his law, the Ten Commandments, along with all other 613 commandments. Um, because we broke that law against the holy God, we are condemned to punishment. Jesus looked down on the earth and he said, I must have these people. I desire all these people to be saved. So he came down and died in the form of uh, a sacrificial lamb for all of our sins. Um, yeah, and now we have the opportunity to come to him for eternal life and forgiveness. Great, let's yeah. give him a hand. <laughs> One thing you forgot was that he rose again. He rose, I always forget. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like the most important part. Yeah. But just get a tattoo of it, you won't forget. <laughs> Every time I share afterwards, I'm like, what? You have to think about this. Paul says that without the resurrection, our faith is futile. And you guys are a bunch of fools if you're coming together and he did not raise again. So you are literally wasting your time if he did not raise from the dead. Know why? Because he can't do anything for you if he is a dead man. Right? So the easy way to remember is, is this. It's all pointless if he didn't raise from the dead. So all of it doesn't matter if he is not resurrected. So, one of the ways that I share the gospel really easily is I, I talk to people, I ask them conversations about what's going on in their life. Because here's the thing, it's not just good news, it's good news for them. It's good news for them specifically. Like God cares about them specifically. So you got to learn how to... Let the word become part of you and let the gospel become part of you so that you know how to share it with someone no matter what you're going through. So I'm going to use you as an example. Okay, so tell me, like, what's something recent in your life that maybe has been like, difficult for you? My dad had a heart attack when I was in the Okay, your dad had a heart attack. Okay. How's he doing now? He's doing much better. He's doing much better. Yes, yeah. Okay. What's your name? Anna. Anna. Okay, Anna. Do you know... That Jesus loves you so much that he cares about your father, that he wants your dad to be completely healed. Do you know that Father God sent his own son to earth? And we, we made so many mistakes. I, like, I was a pathological liar growing up. And that even despite that, he sent his son to earth for me whether I was going to accept him or reject him, because he deeply loved me. And not only did he die for me, but he rose again. Know why? He rose for you, because he's saying, Anna, I'm giving you all authority to pray for your father for complete healing, because you know what? As it is in heaven, it's supposed to be here. So guess what? When Jesus rose again, guess what he said to his disciples? He said, 
all authority has been given to me, and you're one of my disciples. So go, therefore. You get to go because he went. And so that you have all power and authority in Christ Jesus for you to pray for your dad to be completely healed and completely restored because he is alive. Amen. And so that is the gospel for Anna. Now, when I was saying that to you, did you feel anything? <laughs> now, was, yeah. I, was I pitching my Christianity to you? Yes, no. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I'm, I'm sharing with you my faith, but here's the thing. Do I believe what I'm saying to you? Yes, yeah. How do you know? Your face and your passion that comes out of you. It's just the Lord's love and the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God is living inside of me, and guess what? He wants out. And He's saying to you, He wants out of you too. And so when you share the gospel with people, guess what? God wants to meet a need. Ministry is meeting a need, if you didn't know that that's what ministry is. So when you are put into full-time ministry, every single one of you are in full-time ministry as followers of Jesus, he's saying, find the need and bring the gospel. And the gospel is, that I love them so much that I sent my son on their behalf. And there is freedom for the captives. And you are to declare that this is the year of the Lord's favor for them. That Jesus came to give them life, and life more abundantly. We're not supposed to walk around with stress and anxiety 24-7. You are being deceived. Listen to their stories. Where are they being deceived? Where is the enemy tricking them, stealing from them, killing them, destroying them? You have the ability to defeat the enemy with the word of God. So let it pour out of you like rivers of living water. We're not supposed to have this faith where we're like, oh, I love Jesus. I kind of think I believe some of the things he said. If you don't believe it yet, then get angry as to why you don't believe it yet. You say, you know, Holy Spirit, maybe you're being a bad teacher. Because <laughs> I don't believe it yet. And then he's going to say for you to do something. And then it's up to you if you're going to be fully yielded or be deceived. So I want to pray for you guys, and we'll wrap up. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you paid the price for all men to be saved. God, if there's anything that's selfish within us, that is preventing us from having full access to you, God. If we have been deceived in any way, I ask that we would turn from our ways. Holy Spirit, I ask that you make the word of God come alive to every single person in this room. I ask today that they would open up scripture and see things that they've never seen before. I ask that you tell them their next steps 
in the verses that they read today. And they come running to me tomorrow and they go, Jesse, Jesse, I did not know what I was supposed to do. And then I read this. Because we don't need to figure this out because the word says that you are declaring that you have a plan and a purpose for us. So if we are not believing it, God, I ask that you just destroy our unbelief in Jesus' name. And you fill us completely with your power and your authority and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that you would just make us so excited for this next stage in the journey. Because what you are about to do has never been seen before on this earth. And the fact that we get to be participants is insane. Let us partner with you as fully yielded servants that don't know about the treasure, but we have seen, we have tasted, and we have heard. And we give it away freely. And so I just declare protection over every single person in this room. And I ask that you give them visions and dreams and prophetic words. I pray that tonight at worship, this breakout is anointed and that this room of people is prophesying over every single person in worship tonight. And the whole room is buzzing with the word of God. And they are declaring the promises over God. I ask that you give them visions over their squad mates. And they don't grumble and complain any longer of like, what are we going to do? But they say, the Lord of heaven's armies has a plan for me. Oh, that is so awesome. I'm so excited. And if there is anything we need to repent of or ask forgiveness for, Holy Spirit, counsel us. I thank you for the opportunity to repent, that we don't have to stand before you in eternity and regret things, but we can just say, Jesus, forgive me. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alright, so you guys are free to go to lunch, and I'm really excited to see you guys at worship tonight. <laughs> Alright, have a good day.